So, Rich is at the pastor's conference in California this week, and he's also visiting family there. So he asked, in preparation, he asked if I'd share the word with you uh, today, and I was excited to do that. So, you know, knowing you're going to get up here, so I prayed, I asked God, what, what is the, you know, what's the message, what's the scripture I should share? So I settled on some scriptures I was studying, and then Rich began to teach in Haggai, and what's interesting is I think you'll find that today's topic that I'm going to share with you is both timely and non-coincidental. So this was not planned. I just want you to know that. And, and God has a way of doing these kinds of things and working out the details. So one little verse I read recently, a while back, a, a couple months ago, was in Exodus. So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 40, verse 33. You'll see why this is a message that is very timely. It's at the end of verse 33, actually. We would say verse 33b. So last sentence there. <clears throat> Are you ready for it? Here's the message. So Moses finished the work. Okay, we can all go home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what I like about this verse, and when I read it, it really spoke to me, is that it's simple and easy to understand. So Moses finished the work. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say Moses talked a lot about the work. He planned the work really well and then never completed it. It doesn't say Moses thought real hard about the work. Or he listened to a good sermon about the work and then went home encouraged. Or that he dreamed about the work. Or that he looked at the work and all that needed to be done and made a very comprehensive to-do list and then put it on his refrigerator, and there it sat. No, it doesn't say Moses formed a committee about the work to discuss the work. No, it doesn't say that. It says Moses finished the work. And so there's something about this that encourages me and inspires me. Don't you find that finishing a project and finishing a work is, is very satisfying? There's, there's nothing like it. You sit back and you look and you, you, you mow the lawn or at my house, we mow the weeds. You sit back and you look, and it just looks really good. And there's something about that. You have sweat. You might be tired, but you finish the work. It looks good. It's satisfying. Proverbs 13, 19, I really like this verse. It says, a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. So there's something about that that's very satisfying. If you've met a goal, a lot of you did the 5K, you meet that goal. There's something about that. I trained, I worked hard, I did it. I finished that work. It feels really good and actually can motivate you to finish the next work. So on the opposite end, you've met people, Christians, right? That they like to talk a lot about things they want to do for God in the future. It's like it's always something they're working on, something they're going to do. 
And we've met people like that, but, you know, nothing speaks louder than a finished job. That's what I did. It's done. It speaks for itself. So I think maturity would take on a project, do what you say, and get it done, and follow through. That's, that's, I think young people often, myself included when I was younger, would talk a lot about what I wanted to do for God. Someday I'll do this, someday I'll do that, and it, just, it kind of is all just a bunch of fluff. But there's something about when you complete something, it just it speaks volumes. So I love to finish projects, and when I look around sometimes at all the unfinished projects, it testifies to the fact that I'd much rather start a new work than finish an old work. So you have multiple wheels going. You know, it's hard to finish work. It's hard to follow through, because when it gets tough, let's face it, we often just quit. There's never a perfect time to do it, so it just sits and waits. So I'm, I'm guilty. So my son has just finished his season of t-ball, the first season, and there are some very funny things about t-ball, some real good life lessons, but something that stands out to me about baseball or t-ball is that in life, a finished project is a lot like, a lot like a good base hit. A solid base hit, right? And here's what I mean. So to get a base hit, if you're familiar with baseball, you need a good athletic stance. You need to be in a good position. You need to get a good look at a pitch. You need focus. Okay, you need to know that pitch is coming. You need a good level swing. You've all heard that, right? Level the swing. You don't want to be looping around with your back. You want a good level swing to where you're focused. You want solid contact. You want good follow-through to put the ball through the defenders, and then you get on base. You get the job done. You bring the runners around. You don't need a home run in baseball every time, right? You need a base hit. You need to get on base. So there's something about this verse that reminds me of a base hit. You, you stick to it, follow through, you finish. Okay, get on base. It doesn't have to be perfect. You've got, you got to follow through and finish. Sometimes things are messy. And I learned this working with children. It's not always going to be perfect. You're going to get glue everywhere, glitter on the floor. You're going to get stuff stuck to their faces and their hair. It's children are like that. So just thought I'd share that. It's a good analogy. It just kind of sticks with me. So Moses finished the work, but when we dig a little deeper, we can see that there are reasons Moses achieved success. So I want to talk about what was the work. What, what was the work this is talking about? Where did it start? And what can we learn? So let's take a look. What, what was this work? So let's go back to Exodus chapter 25. So we see what the work was in, ver in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses... So it was the Lord's work. He said, speak to the children of Israel. And then go down to verse 8. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So this was the task, to make a sanctuary. Now, sanctuary, this is the tabernacle, which was a precursor to the temple. So Moses and the Israelites were traveling in the desert. They were to build, Moses was to build a tabernacle, which would be taken up and uh, set up, uh, tore, tore down. Down. Anyway, 
it would be taken down and they would travel to the new location, set it up. And this was before the temple that Rich has been talking about in Haggai. That was the temple, a permanent uh, facility. So the tabernacle was temporary and to be moved. And it was the way that the Israelites would worship God through the temple. So that's what it was. And when I look at this, I think, wow, that's very specific. Moses got some very specific instructions, build a tabernacle. So I'm a little bit jealous of that relationship that Moses had with God. Moses had such a relationship with God that God spoke and Moses heard it and he knew exactly what he was supposed to do. So then I was thinking, and then we, we can back up further. So let's back up. How did Moses get to this point where he's hearing from God so clearly, so definitively, this is what you're supposed to do, which I kind of wish God would do for me. So I'm like, okay, so let's back up to Exodus 19. So in verse 1, it says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Okay, so this is after they came out of Egypt, three months later. And then look at verse 3. It says, And Moses went up to God. So it's interesting because... Moses was in a position to hear from God. He went up to God. He went up to the Mount of God. He, positioned, he had a good position. He was in a good athletic position, a good spiritual position to hear from God. And this was the third month after the deliverance of the Israelites. So what is very interesting is Moses didn't stay in the victory of yesterday. He wasn't, and that was so awesome what God did, he delivered Israel. Now we're free. We're just, we're just hanging out. Someone just sit back and enjoy this. You get the t-shirt, you know, freed Israel, you know, from Pharaoh, you know, and, and just sit in that, in that place. No, he kept, he kept pressing forward. And so he goes up to God. He didn't just, he wasn't satisfied and content or complacent in where he was. And so it's funny about like t-shirts. I always it's interesting, you know, someone runs a race in 2001 and they have the shirt, they're still wearing it, it's really faded and stained. And you're like, oh, you ran that race? And they're like, yeah, 2001. Hey, you know what? Run a new race. Run, run a new race. Get out there and do it again. Do something new. Do a new work. Um, so, no, no offense if that's you wearing that shirt today. I, I didn't notice that on anybody. So, so run a new race, you know, do a new work. So this was one of the works in Moses' life, this finishing the tabernacle. It was just one of many. One was delivering the people of Israel. One was growing up in Egypt. He had to, you know, he, he learned things there, I'm sure. He shepherded the literal flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, on the, on the backside of the desert for 40 years. He was faithful in that, and God called him from the burning bush. So he was busy and faithful and diligent in the things that he was supposed to be doing leading up to this. So I hope your life and my life is a list of works completed for God and that we're pushing forward and taking higher ground. So I'm really encouraged by Moses' example. In chapter 20, we go on, Moses receives the law, the Ten Commandments. So that happens. And then in Exodus, again, Exodus 24, let's, let's jump ahead to illustrate this point even more. Look at chapter 24, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
come up to me on the mountain and be there. Okay, so he had some good connection with God, some good quiet time, but here's where it gets really good. Verse 18, so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So he really put in some time here, and I just want to put in a plug for that quiet time. I mean, I, I have trouble praying for an hour or having that quiet time of reading and praying for an hour. I mean, this guy was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And I think because we have, or I know, because we have the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus has sent the Comforter, we have the ability to have this connection with God through his Holy Spirit. That's given to us. That's a privilege of being a Christian. We Unlike the, some of the people back then, you know, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, working in us as, as that gift, as the seal, the indwelling spirit. So this relationship is possible in each of our lives, not just Pastor Rich, not just me up here speaking. It's, it can be you. You can have this type of connection. I think with that connection comes the beginning. We have to start there. If we have this connection with God, we start with God then he'll give us that work that we're supposed to do. I often find I want to know the will of God. What's, man, what's God's will for me? I don't, am I supposed to be a classroom teacher? Am I supposed to be a missionary to you know, Africa? You know, I do. I, pr- I pray because I want to know where does God want me. I don't always have it figured out. But here I find that encouragement that, you, listen, you've got to put in the time. You, know, you have to put in the time with God. Get close to him, and that will be, his will will be revealed, and he'll show you that work. So I just want to encourage you with that. We have to start with God. And then, Exodus, back to Exodus 25 again, verse 8. We'll read this again. Once we start with God and we have spent that time with Him, I think it's important to plan and work at the right work. Plan and work at the right... You know about spinning your wheels, right? I find that... Sometimes I pick up a project or I do something that's just a bunch of spinning my wheels with no traction. It's really a waste of my time. So how do we prevent that? Well, let's look at Exodus 25, verse 8. It says, And let them make me a sanctuary, again, that I may dwell among them. Hmm, That I may dwell among them according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just just so... you shall make it. So I see a couple things in this work, working at the right work. This work had spiritual implications. He says that I may dwell among them. God's glory was at the heart of this project. It wasn't some man's uh, scheme, some 12-step program that you know, Moses came up with or two-step program or you know, some project. He, he just thought of, it was from God. So there were spiritual implications was for God's glory. He was going to dwell among the people. This was a work to bring God's presence among the people. So that's really important. I see here that it's specific. There's a very specific, it says, according to all that I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle, just so. Just so. So when we do work, I think if the work is just so the way God wants it, it's going to be a lot better for us. So there was finally uh, some divine guidance here, and there was a right way to go about it. Okay, and then finally there's practical implications to this. The pattern of all its furnishings. So the furnishings, all those things that were needed in the worship of God, 
of the items. If you go and you read in the tabernacle, you know, the table of showbread, the Ark of the Covenant, the, uh, the curtains, the rods, there were all these different things that needed to be done. So the work was practical. So there were physical materials involved that had to be made, built, and thought through. And God was going to give the direction for this. But the work took wisdom and understanding and God's grace was in the midst of it, but also took good old-fashioned, you know, using some hammers, some sweat, right? Some, some activity, some action, some practical things. And I think of the Festival of Hope when I think of this kind of thing because the Festival of Hope, what's the point? Well, God's glory is sharing the gospel, but somebody's got to paint that, you know, beanbag toss game. Somebody's got to tie up the ropes so that everything hangs nice and the kids have fun. It's to have a platform to share the gospel. Now, if we just went out there and didn't think through all those details, we just say, oh, kids, come on, let's get in the yard and, you know, just sit around in a circle and I'll tell you about God. Like, it just wouldn't, you know, it's just, it, you know, God could do anything, but it might not happen, right? But if we have a platform and we do these things and the fun things that we get them, get them in, and then we get the opportunity. So it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. So there is an element of just good old-fashioned sweat. But on this, I just want to point out uh, Exodus 35. So go to Exodus 35. Along with this practical, what I, what I really like about Exodus 35, verse 30, is it talks about a lot of the gifts that were involved. Moses didn't do this himself. He, he had to hire or get people involved that had certain and very specific giftings in each of these areas. So let's read verse 30. It says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze. Verse 34 goes on to say, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach. So there were things, Moses didn't do it himself. There were things delegated to those gifted and then they were teaching others. So that I think is really cool. And then go to chapter 36. It says, and Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Verse 2, then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord has put, had put wisdom and everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. So God stirred the hearts, so his grace was there, but there was also an element of just plain doing the work. They had to, someone had to melt the metal, pound hammers, you know, do these kinds of things. So it was done by people with stirred hearts. So again, what's the application for us? The work in your life that God wants you to do is going to be very spiritual. It should be for the glory of God. It should be very specific. Work at the right work. Okay, I often ask God to cut things out of my life. I love gardening. I have 16 raised garden beds at my house with beds going around the outside on the fence with nice flowers, and it's beautiful, and I love to do it. But you know what? This year, I really prayed. I'm like, well, Lord, I don't want to spin my wheels and waste my time. And I, I really felt like I was going to do half of them. 
which is still a lot of work, but it did cut down, you know, so I covered the other beds with some shredded leaves and it's gonna rest and take a break. And so I think that was really helpful. A couple tomato plants. You know, I think in a, in a, as Americans, we go overboard with everything's gotta be bigger and better and bigger and better. We buy bigger houses and better houses and more square footage and bigger cars and which take more stuff and we have to maintain all these things because we want bigger and better and bigger and better and there's no end to it and it just drives our, ourselves crazy. Stop, stop, work at the right work. Work at God's work. So start with God. He might have to cut things out of your life. You may have to say, no, sorry, I can't do that. I'm on vacation. And it will be practical. You know, God gives us divine strength, but there's some times where it's just, I got to get out there and do it. I got to start. There's never a perfect time. I just got to, I just got to do it. In the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam was asked, to, he, w- he was told to tend the garden. So there's an element of, you know, there was some work involved. It, it wasn't sweaty or uh, hard, you know, hard in any way in, in that sense, but it was, it, w- it was work. There's something about us that is, I think, called to do that work, okay, in some fashion. Now, finally, we got this work. It's specific. It's spiritual. It's practical. We know what it is. Now it just comes down to follow through. In sports, every sport that you could probably think of, golf, baseball, football, throwing a baseball, anything, if you, you get a good wind-up, okay, you get a good position, and then you throw, and then when you let go of the ball, if you stop, what's going to happen? If you swing and you go to hit that ball, and when you hit the ball, you stop or let off, right, you lose the momentum. A follow-through, they always say that a, a follow-through drives the ball through, right, drive, drive it through. So there's something about finishing the job. So in Exodus 39, 43, so all these articles were, were made by the people who had stirred hearts. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it, as the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it. So the materials were finished, it was done, and then verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, on the first day of the first month, okay, so this is a nine-month project, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So he was, they had all the materials, nothing left to it but to do it. They set it up. So they followed through. They got the job done. It was nine months. I'm sure along the way, if I have something that takes me nine months, I'm sure along the way I, I might think something like, man, is this really what I'm supposed to do? You maybe lose interest. It's not as fun anymore. I don't have that initial enthusiasm to do it. Maybe you let up a little bit. But not so with Moses. So he finished it. Now, let's go on to verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 16. And I really like this because when Moses did the work, it says, Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. And it, it repeats this phrase, Thus Moses did as the Lord had commanded, seven times in that chapter, uh, followed by, so Moses finished the work. We're back where we started. So Moses finished 
the work. So he followed through. He did it as the Lord commanded, his prescribed uh, method. He got alone with God. Now, what's really cool is go on from here, look down. What is the reward of finishing this work? You've often heard, right, the reward for work is good work is more work. Well, sort of. It's not maybe a negative thing. But you move forward with God and you pick up a new work that he wants you to do. So I see that. There's further direction that Moses receives. And there's also God's presence. Look, look what it says in verse 34 of chapter 40. It says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God's presence showed up. This work had a purpose, and now it's done, and we see God show up. God's presence is a great reward for doing his work. When I serve in the children's ministry, I always go away. You know, it's challenging. You know, there's challenges. But I always go away blessed. His presence is in my life. He says, you know, if you give a cup of water to one of these little ones, it's like doing it to me. I'm ministering to Jesus, and he blesses me beyond what I could even imagine. Serving God, his presence is there with you. And then look at what it says. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So further direction. God was with them and directing and leading them. So in conclusion... How can we successfully finish the work? Well, you get alone with God. Come up to the mount of God. Spend time with him. Work at the right work. Make sure it's God's work and what he wants. Okay, what's, what's that thing maybe God has put in your heart uh, that you need to finish? It's going to be specific and practical with spiritual implications. Again, I mentioned the Festival of Hope. Another thing in my life uh, cleaning and organizing the back resource room in the children's ministry. You know, that's something I'm working on personally. That's something that I need to finish. It's a ministry to God. It's a work of God. Sometimes it's simple things like, you know, cleaning at my house, doing the dishes, cutting the grass, going through my wardrobe. I don't need this. I don't wear this. You know, it's those, those simple practical things in life that can simplify our lives to prepare us and put us in a good position to do the work that God wants us to do. There's a lot of time sucks in our life. There's time, this sucks away, eats away our time. And then we never get to the things that are important. So I just want to encourage you with that. Finish those, those jobs, follow through. Pray for God, and I will pray that now. Pray for God to awaken that desire, that motivation, fresh motivation from his spirit. And you will receive the reward, his presence, and knowing and being in the will of God. I'll leave you with this. Hezekiah was another man who did some reforms. He, uh, in Israel, he rejuvenated worship through fixing up the temple. Uh, and he was a man that, you know, loved God and served God. At the end, he kind of had some difficulty, but he had a, he, his heart was in a good place. Second Chronicles 31, 21 I really like this. It says, And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. 
so he prospered. So everything, he, God's law was important, his commandments, everything he did for the house of God and the service of the house of God, he did with all his heart, and so he prospered. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we look at Moses' example, and I'm excited and I'm encouraged because it's simple. He finished the work. And there are times where I think I couldn't be like Moses. He's, oh, he's such a just amazing guy, but Lord, you've made the Spirit available. Holy Spirit, you're available to us. And I, I pray that the thing that we, that you desire us to do, the work that you have for each one of us, that we, you would inspire, encourage us, rejuvenate that work in our hearts, a passion for your temple, uh, which is really us, uh, the place where you want to dwell. Uh, help us to clean it out, get things working, moving, uh, to be motivated to do the work, Lord, to finish the work, to follow through. Uh, I just pray, Lord, help us to cut things out that just don't uh, belong, that take time away from you. Help us, Lord, to get alone with you, to spend that time with you. Our lives are so busy here in America, and Lord, I think we're missing it sometimes. We're missing the work that is going to bring you the most glory. So put us in a, in a good position, Lord. Speak to us even now by your Spirit. So help us as we go, uh, Lord, to just keep this word in mind, to finish that work. It could be simple, it could be practical, it definitely will be spiritual, uh, and we want it to bring you glory. So just bless, bless our day, bless our new week ahead, and give us your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thank you. Chris is going to come on up with the worship team.